Hi, this is Megan McNeely. I'm author of Reinvent the Wheel, How Top Leaders Leverage Well-Being for Success. And I'm here with Bill Ringel on his podcast, My Quest for the Best, one of the top 50 iTunes business podcasts. Yay. Listen up, small business founders, senior managers, and rising stars. Bill Ringel here, host of My Quest for the Best, where ambitious small business leaders discover strategies and tactics to unlock your growth potential. On each episode, I bring you the inside stories from published and accomplished guests who want to share their knowledge and experiences so you can be more successful in leading your people, managing your business, and navigating towards more growth and more impact in a changing and challenging landscape. Let's dive in. Joining me today is Megan McNeely. Megan has devoted her career to helping others reach their highest potential in their personal and professional lives. She's a senior VP at a major financial services firm in the U.S. and is on a mission to inspire 1 million people to do well and be well in their personal and professional lives. She's also a survivor of rheumatoid arthritis, kidney disease, and kidney cancer. Megan is simultaneously an impact entrepreneur and prominent well-being thought leader who founded Wellbeing Drives Success, a multifaceted platform designed to serve those in our workforce who strive for exceptional wellness and extraordinary success. She's the author of Reinvent the Wheel, How Top Leaders Leverage Wellbeing for Success, and her work has been featured in the UK Telegraph, Fast Company, Chief Executive, and many more, as well as the Mind of the Valley podcast. The book Reinvent the Wheel has also been featured in the top 20 must-reads of 2019 by Forbes and was awarded a medal by the Axiom Book Awards. So exciting. Today, she's here to share ideas and insights from her new book, Reinvent the Wheel, How Leaders Leverage Wellbeing for Success. Welcome, Megan. Well, hello, Bill. It's so great to have you on the show. Oh, I'm, I'm thrilled. I've got my coffee. I'm ready to go. Let's do this. Excellent. So Megan, growing up, who's someone who influenced or inspired you? Gary Fountain was my English teacher in high school. And what I loved about him and what was so inspiring is he had a wide open mind. He took every idea that came across his awareness and pondered it. And he taught me how to be extremely open-minded. I came from a very conservative rural community. And I absolutely love that about him. He taught me how to take it all in. Do you remember an example of either reading a book or considering a perspective or when that open-mindedness served you in making an important decision? Hmm. I think it helped me because I was from rural Illinois, it helped me when I was applying to college because I ended up going to Cornell in New York. You know, my parents had wanted me to go back to Illinois for college and it helped me expand and look at the possibilities for my life and to make a choice that was slightly unexpected for my family. So yeah, that is a big move. I'm glad I did. Yeah, I'm glad I did. So just to set the stage. Can you describe the life and work situation you were in when your sickness came on with the rheumatoid arthritis and the kidney disease? I realized in the kidney cancer, it came and unfolded in various stages, but there was a point when you realized that you weren't going to be able to continue on in the trajectory of your career that you had expected. You were going to have to make some serious changes to deal with, confront, overcome these diseases. Take me back to that moment right before you knew you couldn't continue in the same direction. Bill, that is so well said. That's terrific. 
what happened is I was seven years into my career, which I still have. Back then, I was a rising star at my firm. It's a Fortune 500 company. And I was traveling all over the United States doing speeches about my extensive business success. I had a speech that was recorded and still to this day is required listening for every new advisor that comes into our firm on success. And I was gaining award after award. I was gaining title after title. And I was intoxicated by that success. The adrenaline going through my body was high. And at the same time, behind the scenes, to my shock, my body started to break down, kind of like a car breaking down on the side of the road. Like it breaks down once a little bit, and then all of a sudden it just won't start again. And that seems, it was like, we have a phrase in financial services, you can't catch a falling knife. That's exactly how I felt about first getting rheumatoid arthritis, then being diagnosed with yet another autoimmune disease, chronic kidney disease, and then cancer. I felt like I was headed in exactly the wrong direction. One of my doctors said to me, I said to him at the time, trying to be the optimist that I always was. I didn't want anybody to tell me I had to quit work or change all the things that I was loving doing. I mean, Bill, finally, I had success in my grasp. And I said, well, at least I'm not dying. And he said to me, you're just dying slowly. And it gut punched me. And, you know, I mean, I don't think he meant it to come out the way it did, but I realized I needed to make a very serious shift. I'm imagining being in a doctor's office and hearing him interrupt me and say, oh, you're dying. You're just dying slowly. And that is just shocking. I was surprised he said it too. And I'll never forget that phrase. He said, you're just dying slowly. And because I wasn't in ICU, I just had you know, the two autoimmune diseases, but keep in mind, autoimmune disease is when your body attacks itself. So in this case, my joints, and then it was attacking a major organ of mine, which was my kidneys. I mean, the futility, the feeling that there's downward momentum, that it was something I couldn't get a grasp of. And what was so frustrating, Bill, is that as brilliant as I was business-wise, I couldn't seem to get a grasp of my health It was really annoying. And so I started a hero's journey in that moment to turn the whole thing around. And I said, you know, this isn't me. This isn't my story. He goes, yes, it is. I go, no, 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 you don't understand. This can't be how it happens. I'm better than this. And I said, I'm going to heal myself. And he said, well, all three of these diseases are incurable. And I said, would you at least agree with me that if anybody could do it, I could? And he goes, that I will say I agree with. If anyone can do it, it would be you, Megan, because he knew how passionate I was. And I started this hero's journey. What does well-being look like? I didn't know. The first thing we all think of, let's be honest, is, you know, get more sleep, uh, eat a little better and maybe start exercising. I thought I'd start there, which is the three spokes of this wheel I created to heal myself. And let me jump in because I want to give the context. When you say reinvent the wheel, you systematically look at 18 different areas of your life. I want to Yeah, I made a literal wheel. (laughs) (laughs) This is not four spokes. This is 18 different areas, aspects facets of your life wheel that you re-examined, categorized, sought out examples and exemplars and mentors, and really looked at how to reinvent yourself 
underscore underline highlight. <laughs> yes. And what I thought was, and many of your listeners can probably appreciate this, is I thought, I need to do this. This is going to be tricky. I need to get myself better from this very bad place. I mean, broken down on the side of the road figuratively. I need to do that while working. Oh, wait a second. Did, did you also had a family? Yeah, I do. So I was a single mom. The year of my worst health storm was 2010. It was the year of my divorce, which is yet another falling knife that was happening in my life. And, you know, bad days, you know, seem to be cascading, don't they? You know, when bad things happen, sometimes they come in pairs and triplets and quadruplets, as I found. I figured I have to live because I'm a single mom to these two beautiful girls. They were six and eight at the time. Now they're 16 and 18. And I couldn't quit my job. Not only did I love my financial services job, but I didn't want to leave behind that legacy. I think a lot of listeners can appreciate. You work hard for that. You work hard for success. I had clients who loved me and I loved them. And I was making great money. And I certainly needed the health insurance. My kidney surgery was $100,000. So thank God I had insurance at the time. And I certainly didn't want to let that go. Yeah. So I had to do this. That's the, that was the challenge. But I figured if anybody's up for it, I am. I'm motivated. And I was motivated to live. So at what point did you, I mean, you suddenly got serious about being a student about your own health. And you did this yes. very selfishly to fulfill your mission in your roles as a mom yep. and being a, you know, a survivor and turning around your health and looking to yep. stay in your career. When did you start exactly. to see some traction that you were, you were starting to feel better, not just momentarily, but starting to make progress towards restoring your health and becoming even more vital than before, which I think is a fair assessment. Now you're probably even more vital today than you were then before you got sick. Oh, hundred percent. What was fascinating, Bill, is originally, you know, as soon as I realized I had to do a hero's journey to save myself, I instantly thought this is going to take down my career. I was, you know, Megan, be honest, right? you know, this, this, but yeah, my assumption was that this behind the scenes well-being protocol that I'm going to have to put into place, because let's be honest, I couldn't really diminish my hours in my career. I thought it would take me down. I thought I would, you know, suffer financially. I thought I would suffer performance-wise. And one of the greatest things I learned, besides learning that well-being is the greatest asset you have, which I learned in the doctor's office when I was faced with losing it, the second thing I learned is actually well-being drives success. I didn't know that. I actually thought success comes first. And then well-being comes later when you have the time and money to deal with it. That's how I was operating. And that's what I realized a lot of people in our business world think, is they think, I'm going to do everything I can to be successful. And I'm sure some of your listeners are doing that. They're staying up late. They're working you know, hours. They're gutting it out because they want to make their company soar. And it just, you've got to put in the elbow grease. But what I realized is that I started to do better at work the more I prioritize my well-being. So let me ask you a question, Megan. What was the toughest part about prioritizing your well-being when you hadn't done that for so long? What was it that was so difficult to do that you were able to make a decision and start acting in ways and devoting time and energy to doing things and slowing down, which seems so contrary to your nature in your 20s? Oh, it just, 
you know, you get so addicted to work. And the most fascinating thing is, you know, I didn't feel like I deserve to stop. I felt like I've got a lot to do here. Do I deserve to go to bed earlier? I've, you know, I haven't even, you know, gotten through half my to-do list. But when I started to see even more results financially and business-wise, that started to ignite me. So I'll give you an example. So in 2010, which was my worst health storm I just had alluded to, till 2019, which is last year, end of last year, my W-4 income rose by five and a half times. I never would have thought that would be possible. I was already doing well in 2010. I didn't realize that by making green drinks, getting to bed on time, exercising every day, which I used to think I didn't have time for. Plus I was in so much pain. I was like, I'm not doing that. Meditating for 10 minutes in the morning at night, actually having values and, you know, living by them, you know, focusing on things, mastering my positive attitude, prioritizing my personal growth and all the other things around my wheel. I actually started to fill my free time with those life enhancing ideas, which are all actions. And I just started to do better. I think there was a major difference between me as a business person when I was sick and me as a business person now. Like me as a person, business person sick would be like, I'd come in super caffeinated. I might be dropping papers as I walked into that really important business meeting. I would probably be distracted because I haven't really eaten anything that morning except like a frosted scone from, you know, coffee shop. I'm all jacked up on coffee. I haven't gotten enough sleep. I'm not even really present with the person in front of me because my phone is going off because I forgot to turn that off. You see, you see it? And now it's more like I had my green juice. I've had my green tea. I walk into that meeting like I own the place. I sit down. I really connect with my client. How are you doing? You know, how's everything going in this crisis? I really care about you oh my gosh, you know, let me send you my favorite book on that topic you're most interested in. And you see, you see how you could do more business? Well, I want to underscore that point for everyone listening. Because Megan, you just said that so eloquently, where when you're present, you have everything at your disposal. You have all the, your resourcefulness in the moment. And it's not something where you're distracted. It's, it qualitatively sets you apart. And anyone who thinks that that's way too subtle, really hasn't had that experience. And I think Megan and I will encourage you to just do the basics. Get seven hours of sleep. Get some exercise in the morning. Begin to meditate. Examine, refine, prioritize your values. And start pursuing some of the other spokes that you lay out in Reinvent the Wheel. I think that that's a really an interesting guide for people who are looking to do this. And you don't have to start where Megan did. You don't have to start at a point where your life is threatened and your whole trajectory is being challenged. You could start with right where you are today and just make the decision. Wouldn't you agree with that, Megan? hundred percent. So if your listeners think about me as a broken down car on the side of the road, I literally was out of the car pushing myself, you know, just as bad as you could get. You know, I've spoken at audiences all over the United States and I've never had a single person in an audience come up and say, I was even sicker. Like I was really sick. But most people who are listening to this just need an oil change. 
I mean, they could just do one small thing towards their well-being. And my gut feels they probably, you know, if they're listening, they probably already know what it is. You know, I could get more sleep or, you know, maybe I should do that hobby that, you know, I love to do. You know, joy is like a vitamin, you know, that we often deprive ourselves of. And bringing that back could have an amazing effect on the listener, you know. And so, most people don't need an overhaul. Most people just need a tweak. And that's what I did in the book. I wrote the book just with these 18 chapters where you could just jump in anywhere you want. You could just be led. You could open it up and go, you know what? I just want to read that one chapter and get some great actionable ideas and just move forward like that. Megan, you describe ways that it wasn't easy and it wasn't just deciding you needed to be healthy or start on your hero's journey. You went through all the steps. And I love one of the stories I'd like for you to share with me now. Could you describe the story of what it was like getting your basic keelboat certification in the San Francisco Bay as a birthday gift <laughs> right from the point of, oh my gosh, <laughs> this is a gift that I'm not really crazy about and what right. it meant to have to put that out there. Right. So this is coming from the Speak Your Truth spoke, which is really underrated. So back then when I was super sick, I was not somebody who spoke my truth very readily. I was somebody in my personal life and in my business life. It's not that I was untruthful. I just wasn't forthcoming with what I really thought about certain things. So what this story you're talking about is that I received a gift for my birthday from my then husband. Um, to get certified in sailing because it was something he loved to do. And he thought we live on the San Francisco Bay. Let's do that. Keep in mind, sailing in the San Francisco Bay is one of the most dangerous places on earth. Uh, at least that's what they tell us when we get certified there. One of the most dangerous places on earth to sail because of the wind tunnel that goes through the San Francisco Bay and around Alcatraz particularly. So there I was holding this gift, but the real truth behind the scenes is, and I hadn't really been forthcoming to my husband that I'm actually terrified of open water because I almost drowned when I was in my 20s. Now, Michael knew that story. He knew that I had almost drowned in a riptide in San Diego, but I had sort of diminished it. And he thought my not wanting to get in the ocean was more of a cute quirk. And I also was in a tremendous pain from having rheumatoid arthritis, but I wasn't totally forthcoming with him about how painful my hands and my feet were. I mean, the idea of holding on to sailing tacks and cords was like excruciating to think about. And so there I was, I found myself in the freezing cold rain in a February with a salty sailing teacher who kept saying, you know, as long as we're lucky, this sailboat won't go down like a greased refrigerator. He kept saying that over and over. It was so terrifying. And I learned that, you know, I just need to speak up. And I actually got my courage up to, after I got certified, you know, because I am an achiever, you know, like a lot of your listeners and you, Bill, I'm an achiever. I sailed through that sailing class <laughs> with flying colors. But afterwards, I told him I don't really like sailing. And he ended up getting, entreating a sailing buddy to take over from then on. And, you know, I should have spoken up sooner. And I learned that we just don't, you know, sometimes some of us, we hold back we want to be the people that we think others want us to be. But what they really want from us is they want us to be our true self. Yeah. And it really reinforces your two most important values that you talk about are truth and love. And when, That's right. when you spoke about that truth, 
How did that feel for you internally, even though for him it was like, oh, okay, you don't want to go sailing? I have other buddies. I'll take them sailing. It felt like total relief. I thought I should have said this sooner. I don't, you know, it wasn't that hard to say. Once I got my courage up, I said, you know, honey, I know you want me to be a, that type of person that sails and has so much fun. But every time we have a sailing mishap, I freak out. I'm panicked. I'm not, I know I'm not the best buddy on that boat <laughs> with my side eye, you know, oh God, wouldn't you know that I've got to get out there and douse that sail. But he was thankful that I was honest. And I started just to be more honest with everyone. I started to be more honest with um, my clients at work. I was never dishonest with anyone, but I, in a down market like this would be more likely to say something like, I get it it's really painful to watch your portfolio go down. You know, I'm here with you and this is our strategy, you know, to acknowledge the truth of the matter. I'm much more, I think a lot of amazing leaders do that, don't they? They look right at a truth. They're not afraid of it. They acknowledge it. And that's what makes them a leader because people will trust you more when, when you acknowledge what the reality is and what people are feeling. Yeah. There's some, there's something fake about trying to be mispositive or someone asked me, you know, why do you, one of my counselors asked me, why do you feel like you need to be mischeerful? Good question. Why do I feel like that? You know, I used to be cheerful and no matter what circumstance, but it's almost like a blanket covering up how I really felt, you know? And I think that that's actually a very powerful business, a business tactic is to look at what's really happening right now and how can you be the most effective person in that circumstance, the, the person that is of most service. That's a really good point. I think one of the other spokes that speaks to me now is I'm thinking about the one where it's hone your focus. Can you describe yes. what that means? And particularly in the context of what we're going through now around the world in terms of the coronavirus and COVID-19 and what's happening with how it's changing people, changing our lives. And why focus is really one of our most powerful weapons that can't be taken away unless we let it? Oh, this is such a great question. So as you know, Bill, I'm obsessed with CEOs, founders, business owners, business leaders, and how they're reacting to the COVID-19 situation. I profiled 18 outstanding leaders in my book. There's one for every spoke of this wheel that has really mastered that tactic. and. In the spoke hone your focus, it's about using your mind to actually focus on the truth of the situation. Back in the day when I was sick, I used to focus a lot on how much pain, you know, I was sick. So I was like, wow, my kidneys are failing. What if that means I'm, you know, the, the, I would focus on something negative and then something even worse. I would go, oh my gosh, what if I need a kidney transplant someday? You know, and it would get really ugly really fast. That's what's happening to a lot of um, business owners right now. They're thinking about- I've heard that called awfulizing, just where you you, yeah, right. <laughs> you find a topic- It's a great word for and it. And then people just think about how well, to make it even more awful or all the awful, terrible well, things that you want to avoid. That's where they're putting their attention. Right. So these business owners right now, a tendency is to say, what if this month coming up is the worst month of my business life? And with COVID-19, that actually seems like a very real fear. But what I decided to do is I decided to call a number of the executives that were in my book because they're my tribe and I'm obsessed with what they're up to right now. And I thought it'd be so fascinating for your listeners. 
And I called everybody on Friday afternoon. I spent a few hours and interestingly, everybody picked up their cell phone. And I asked this question, what are you focused on right now? And what they're doing is they take that same fear. They may allow themselves to have it for a moment or two. You know, wow, this potentially has the ability to ruin my business and make it a really bad month. They let themselves have that thought for a moment, but then they do something really incredible that most people don't do. They look for what I call the service-minded opportunity. They immediately flip it. They take that initial fear, immediately flip it around. They empower themselves and they say, what, and I know it sounds, it sounds odd at first, it sounds frivolous at best, but they say, what if this was the best month I ever had in my business? And even though it doesn't seem like it could possibly be true, they get still, they think about it, and they were telling me that they work from that place. What if this were the best month I ever had? And then they think about different ways, they brainstorm, they get their journal out, they talk to their teams and brainstorm ways you know, well, how would we have to pivot? How would we have to think? How would we have to put systems in place to make that true? Which I love. Well, that's a fabulous way as a model to hear that from numerous people that that's simply a different question that you could ask and the question will change your focus. Megan, are you ready for the My Quest for the Best lightning round? Yes, I am. Go for it. All right. So if you could put a slogan about your work on a billboard that every business leader would drive by and have to read each morning, what would it say? You can do well and be well simultaneously. And what would you say is the best $100 purchase you've made in the last six months? That's a really good one. Candles. I would say just lighting a candle. You know, I know it sounds simple, but a really nice, beautiful candle just seems to really calm me down. It gives me inspiration. It makes me feel like as I write, you know, I was writing an article for Entrepreneur last night. I lit a candle. It's almost like an intention, like give me the means in this moment, whether I'm talking to my higher self or God or any, you know, it just centers me. Like this is a special moment. I need to give this my intense focus and I want to deliver. And I earlier asked you about a person that influenced or inspired you while you were growing up. What's a song yes. that influenced or inspired you growing up? I remember listening to that song. I was from the rural Midwest, but I was a star tennis player and I played the 10 and unders in California and La Jolla. So I was 10 years old. I was on a beach in California listening to that song, Tainted Love. And I remember thinking my life could be different. I could be somebody great. And I don't know, I mean, not that that song has anything to do with it, but I remember exactly where I was listening to that song in a place very, very far from home with possibilities at my doorstep. And I thought if I can just play tennis well, maybe I could buy my way into a great, great, I went, ended up going to boarding school. I ended up going to an amazing college um, all because of my ability to play tennis. I was also smart too, but tennis really helped. Megan, tell me about how you came to build a relationship with the term meditating. <laughs> well, that's because I'm one of those people, probably a lot of listeners here. I, I have a hard time sitting still to meditate. I mean, let's be honest, sitting, sitting in a chair, not moving, not doing anything. You know, a lot of us are doers, right? And so to me, that's like the hardest thing. Even to this day, I swear to God, Bill, to this day, on my wheel, it's the hardest thing for me to do is meditate. So I have a uh, strategy 
for all of you who know you should be meditating, really know that stillness could help, really know that some of your best ideas come from being calm, not being reactive, just sitting there. Well, I've got the solution. Meditate. Lay in bed for 10 minutes, breathe in and out. Just meditate. You know, people, my really great meditation friends say, there's no way I could be doing this properly that without falling asleep. They're right. I do fall asleep. But you know what? I do have my moment of calm. And even if it lasts only five minutes, hey, I'm, I'm going to own it. No judgment. No judging. Well, Megan, you've shared so many great ideas with me on my quest for the best today. And you started off talking about how Gary Fountain exposed you to the idea of keeping a wide open mind. And wow, what a ride it's been in so many unexpected ways. You learned that pursuing a career and having the thrills of a rising star in a major financial services company, how exciting that was to be traveling and to be winning all these accolades and awards, and then suddenly find yourself in health challenges and having to catch the metaphorical uh, falling knife and how challenging and unfair that seemed. Yet it led to those kinds of insights where you realize that well-being doesn't have to follow success. Well-being can coexist with success. In fact, in many cases, well-being can help set you up for success if you take the right steps. You also shared how important it was to realize that your mindset can stop you from taking some of these steps. And that when you feel like even when you weren't deserving to stop and slow down, that's exactly what you needed to do in order to get more sleep, exercise, meditation, focus on your values. And joy is like a vitamin, you said. So I really appreciate you sharing that idea for people to think about how to bring joy into their lives intentionally on a regular basis. When you talked about honing your focus, you shared what a great idea it was to reach out to the 18 people in your tribe who helped you with your book and you kept in contact with them. Just reaching out is something that every business leader is going to understand, reduces your isolation, makes you feel better, calms you down because it reminds you of how well connected we are and how we gain insight from connecting and talking with others and being reminded of how important it is to focus on serving others. I just want to thank you for all these ideas that you shared and so much more and for not only what you do, but for who you are. So Megan McNeely, author of Reinvent the Wheel, How Leaders Leverage Well-Being for Success. Thank you so much for joining me on My Quest for the Best. Thank you so much, Bill. This has been amazing. Megan, before we say goodbye for now, how can people find out more about you and your work online? My website is meganmcneely.com. And if people really want to reach out, I answer my own email. I think it's so important connection. I want to hear their stories. It's megan at meganmcneely.com. Megan, we are going to link to your website, ways to buy your book, ways to connect with you on social media. I think that it just is an expression of your generosity and passion. So thank you once again for joining me on My Quest for the Best today. Thank you. Hi, this is Bill, and I hope you've enjoyed this podcast interview on My Quest for the Best. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, or your favorite app so you never miss an episode full of stories, tips, and insights for the ambitious small business leader. Now I have a quick request for you. Please go to Apple Podcasts and iTunes and give us a rating and review. My team and I really appreciate the feedback and we read every comment to find out what you enjoy and what you want as we develop new content, course materials, and a few surprises that we have in store for you. When you rate and review my quest for the best, you help other small business leaders find us, subscribe to the podcast, and join the community. 
You can get the Insider's e-newsletter for small business leaders by going to myquestforthebest.com. We have chosen a challenging path to make a living and make a difference in the world, and I believe it's important to share top-notch resources with each other, which is why you'll find new episodes from top thought leaders and small business experts on My Quest for the Best each week. Thanks for listening and being part of the community. See you on the next episode.